Hey everyone, this is Ben Chapman. Thank you for listening to Luminous Church Podcast. It's always an honor that you would take time out of your day to listen to us. We hope that you would see Jesus more clearly today and that you would also be inspired to make a difference wherever you find yourself. Enjoy today's sermon and God bless you. Good morning. Good morning. Round two. I'm up here again. So glad to be here with you once again. If you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter four. That's where we'll be this morning. Philippians chapter four. We'll get there in just a moment. It's been a busy week for me. Did you have a good spring break? I feel like y'all are more tired than first service. What's going on? Y'all like looking at me like, give your neighbor a high five. Say, welcome to church. Glad you're here. Let's try it again. Come on, somebody. Here we are. Um, Man, spring break is awesome. I know some of y'all went Six Flags, some of y'all slept. What else did you do this, this, this week? Worked, worked. All the, all the parents are like, worked. All the college kids said party. And so, yeah, man, I hope it was good. I hope you had a great time. I worked as well. In fact, we entered a construction project this week at the church. And I just wanted to share real quickly kind of what we did. So um, just so you're a little familiar with what happened and First off, I just want to say thank you. Last week we talked about tithing and talking about just the practical resources of tithing to help the, the local church and help our facility. And then, and then outward, the, the kingdom aspect and also the spiritual aspect. But because of, because of your generosity at Luminous, it's one of the first times we didn't take up a special offering for a special project. And so we just took it out of the general fund and we're able to do a couple of things. I want to just share these with you because maybe you're curious. And so the first one's over here in this corner we have these big old pipes and drapes and behind there's our baptismal and a bunch of stuff because we're in 6,000 square feet which may sound like a lot to some of you because you live in a one-bedroom studio you know like a like 600 square feet but but that's actually fairly small for a couple hundred people and and so behind here we we have everything hidden and my wife is so thankful for those pipes and drapes because you could see through there and you could see all the clutter and all the junk and so so we were able to purchase that we're really excited and then also we moved our growth track door around into this hallway and so so right there was our growth track door next to the barn and we moved it right into the hallway right there and so some of you may see a new door right there which is not the most pleasant sight but I'm going to tell you its function in just a moment because on the other side we had a toddler door right there and as you came out the worship center on this side you would look right into the toddlers and you would see those babies and those babies would see their mama and they would start crying and, and then all those randos who would, you know, peek in on your kids. We didn't want that anymore. We were like, let's keep the randos away from, from the kids. And so we secured that whole hallway now is just kids. And only, only those who are working children's ministry habitat can go behind the check-in stage or parents who are dropping off or picking up who have a tag. And so that's completely secure. So no more randos behind there. If, if our security officer sees a rando they have permission to pull him out of there or her because randos aren't only guys sometimes they're girls and so so they can pull them out of there and then 
And then um, we got a brand new sink in there. And so our kids workers are ecstatic that they actually have a sink to wash hands and wash toys and sanitize things. And really excited about that. And then over here, our elementary door, this is where all our kids came in. And, and we had our kids worker right there. And, and right as a lady would come out of the restroom, our kids worker would look right at the lady, <laughs> right in the eyes. And they were both asking, did I go number one or did I go number two? You know, and, and they're just asking these questions. And, and, and the ladies awkwardly, like, I hope they don't smell that. And it was just strange for everyone. And we just wanted to, to make it appropriate. So we moved it right there into the foyer. That's our kids' um, elementary door, first through fifth, which is so appropriate because now our security officer can see all kids' doors. And so this is a really helpful thing. So it's not much space, 6,000 square feet. We're thankful God gave it to us in this season. We won't always be in this space. God's going to give us other spaces and other places, and it's going to be awesome what God does here in this place um, through, through his church as we continue to reach the city and share the gospel and, and are faithful and discipling people. But as long as we're here, we wanted to make it as safe as possible because, because I know some of you have been inviting your family and, and, and friends and coworkers, and you've been bringing your children here, and we want them to have the best possible experience that, hey, that place between the bars, at least the kids are safe, you know, so come hang out with us. It's going to be awesome. You're going to enjoy it, and so I just wanted to publicly thank you uh, for, for your tithes and offerings because that allowed us to do that to make this place a little more secure for our families and kids. And some of you don't have kids, but I'm telling you, I, I believe this wholeheartedly. Before you have kids, as you sow into kids, God is going to begin to let you reap what you sow. And, and I've just noticed that. My wife and I did that. Before we had kids for five years, we gave to a building campaign to help build the kids' ministry. We, we, we never had our kids in that, in that children's building. We moved to San Antonio before it was, before it was fully up and going, and, and, and yet we just believe, like, man, we're sowing into the kingdom. We're sowing into the next generation. So thank you for sowing. I believe that God is going to bless you. So that's a little update. So pipes and drapes and doors. Oh, my. Okay. <laughs> Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 9 says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So my friend J. Tom was going to preach today. He was unable to do that. So I decided, hey, since anxiety is on the rise and all of us have it to some level, some sort, maybe not clinically, I don't want to diagnose that, but some of us have pressure that I decided we should talk about it a little bit more. So we're going to talk about culture today, outsmarting anxiety and the cultural pressures. When I'm talking about anxiety, I'm talking about the cultural pressures that, that are coming against you. And these are very prevalent in our society. 
in our society, and we know this so well, culture, I mean, social media. When I, when I use the word culture, I'm thinking about social media. I mean, we, we all have social media. We all have access. I mean, the latest stat I read is 3.1 billion people have a social media account of some sorts. That, that's half of the world almost has a social media account and are locked into this thing, and it is crazy the news that you you get through social media immediate news right coming at you flooding against you all the time notifications I'm, I'm using my computer to help me preach today and the words on there the Bible's on there praise God for that I, I just put this thing here just for looks right just like hey just in case you're wondering like we got a holy Bible up here we're, we're preaching the word this morning and, and as my computer's open already, I got alerts, news feeds, right, are coming at me and all these things and social media alerts and, and all this stuff is happening. And, and there's six um, um, things that are affecting our mental health when it comes to social media. Six things affect our mental health. One, the, the addictiveness of it. It's very addictive. And, and, and this is being readily acknowledged more and more by psychologists that, that the addictive behavior of social media is prevalent. That, that 200, uh, last year in 2018, once that said, over 210 million people are addicted to social media. 210 million, that's about 10% or so, and I just believe that number is going up and up and up. And it also affects not only just this addictive behavior, but it affects your mood. Have you noticed that? When you're on social media, it affects your mood. All of a sudden, you start reading something, and you were happy, and now you're sad. You, you, were, you, know, you were sad, and now you're happy, and it's changing your mood and affecting your mood, but, but primarily, you're more sad than happy when you read it, you know, primarily is what happens. And then something else that happens that affects our mental behavior is just the comparison. The comparison of it all as you're, as you're looking right at J. Lowe's new, new engagement ring, you know, huh? You're like, man, Austin, why didn't you give me a ring like this? I mean... <clears throat> At least, you know, a quarter of the size or something, you know. And so you start comparing rings and comparing wardrobes and comparing tattoos and comparing bodies and comparing hair and hair color. And, and it makes you wish that you weren't how you are. That you could be something else that you weren't. And it's comparing us all the time to one another. You're comparing you're comparing your cars and your houses, and, 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 and I just decided, man, I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to just quit post. I'm going to post my kids, and then and now I'm comparing my kid to your kid, and it's just, it's, it's a lose-lose, man. And then you think that, man, maybe I could get in this world of fantasy with social media. That's another thing that's help, <clears throat> hurting our, our, our health is that we're getting in this world of delusion and, and, and this fantasy living and, and getting a fix immediately and, and all this stuff. And then they created social media so that the world would be more connected. That would be more social. And, and truth is, we are more connected more than ever, and it's beautiful, and there's great things about it. And so I'm harping on the negative for the point of the message, but, but there's some beautiful things about it. But there's all these negative things that come with, with the beauty of it, and one of those is we're not more social. We're actually less social. I forgot how to have a conversation. Do you know this? Like, like I, I have a really hard time having conversations now. I'm sitting there with my friends, hanging out. I don't really have anything to say. I just want to text them. I want to like, hey, can I write on your page? You know, can I send you something? Any of y'all heard of Marco Polo? It's like awesome. 
It's awesome. It's like video texting. I get, to, I get to record myself being narcissistic, talking about myself and anything that I want, and you don't get to talk back until I send it to you. So it's not a dialogue. It's a monologue, and then you read it. And then you, you listen to it, and then you send me one of whatever you want to say, and I don't get to interrupt, and I don't get to do anything, and you're not playing off my facial expressions. You're having a monologue, and, and this has caused us to be less social. And as a result, we're, we're having to create social networks outside of that, like real relationships. You notice, like, everything's popular right now. Do you know why CrossFit's popular? It's not because you get to work out. It's because of community. People are so desperate to have community that they'll pay $180 to go work out. Who, who would have thought that? You know, and some of y'all look at me like, I do that. Well, keep going. It's where your community is. Go. It's not just there. It's all over the place. We're creating networks of community because we've lost how to connect with one another. The church is... Also grabbed a hold of this because we minister to the culture that we're in. We don't necessarily um, change culture overnight, at least. And so we, we do these connect groups and we do small groups because we forgot how to actually talk. So we have to systematize it. Hey, you live over there in that neighborhood. Y'all should all meet and, and talk to each other and act like you like each other and maybe learn about Jesus in the process. Right. And so so we're creating all these networks and. And then, and then March 13th was a devastating day, wasn't it? Like, March 13th was devastating because Facebook actually crashed. <laughs> Facebook crashed. And some of y'all know this. And some of y'all know this. Did you know it was reported that when Facebook crashed worldwide for two and a half hours, that people were calling 911 saying, hey, man, something's wrong with Facebook. What's going on? You know, I mean, they were, they were just panicked. And I was one of them. Not calling 911, obviously, but, but I was panicked because all of my passwords are connected through Facebook. I, I was trying to log in to several different sites. I couldn't log in because Facebook was down. It was all connected. And, and so, so, you know, maybe this is irrelevant to you. Maybe you're like, man, I don't struggle with this. You know, I'll come back next week for the sermon, you know. <laughs> but it's, it's a drug-like symptom that's happening with social media right now. It is insane what is happening. In fact, they, they say, like, um, when you're checking Facebook, it's like a dopamine hit. Like, like, just looking at it. I was talking to my friend. I won't call him out right now, but we were talking yesterday, and he looked at his Facebook like five times. I was like, dopamine, dopamine, <laughs> dopamine. And we're, we're just taking these hits, man, because it, it does something to us chemically. And, and, and the more you access, right, it's just like any drug, the more you need. Right? Because that's how we're wired. It's, it's the sad reality of sin. It's all consuming for three reasons, all this social media. One is just boredom. We're bored. We're bored. So I'm going to overstimulate. And as I overstimulate, I find myself being more bored, right? Like, man, I'm bored quicker than I used to be. Like, my, my son, his boredom rate is outrageous. Like, he's bored so easily. And you know, it's actually good to be bored. Like, when you are bored, that's when you create. You think that maybe, like, God put that in us a little bit? Like, maybe, maybe a little boredom is good because then we get to create and get to think and get to explore and get to invent and start companies and start businesses and start painting and all this stuff. Like, it may be good to be a little bored. 
Another thing about it is another reason is positive reinforcement. Oh, man, I post this picture of me dressed like this, and every time that is tapped, every time there's a heart, I am, I am reinforced that, man, I'm pretty. Man, I knew I had muscles, you know, when I, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just me. Okay, that one's private. It's on my Snapchat. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like we're, we're constantly doing this, and then, and then the other one is instant gratification. I get, to, I get to instantly gratify my flesh, instantly. And you don't even have to overeat to do it. You know, you don't even have to um, do anything else. It's just right there, instant gratification. So, so social media is huge. That's huge in our culture. It's huge weight. But that's not the only thing that's happening, not the only thing that's flooding our lives, right? The, the, the news has been flooding our lives. 24-hour news. I remember in 1990, some of y'all weren't born. Most of y'all weren't born, actually. And in 1990, you know, the Gulf War started. And I remember being a kid and watching the Gulf War. And you could watch it like 24-7. And you could watch what's happening. And, and it's real time. And, and these news cycles just started going and going and going. And it's not like they're just like coming up with new news. They're talking about the same stuff. And because they're talking about the same stuff, they have to be overdramatic about it. And they have to come at it in a new angle. And then all of a sudden, they're getting all these, you know, contributors. You know, what is a contributor? How do I become one of those? You know? So it's happening all over. And, and so we're, we have our channel fixed on CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, whatever it is. And news is just hitting us like crazy. And then, and then you know, you get away from your TV. You get away from your phone. No texting while you're driving. And so then you decide, although most of y'all still check social media when you're driving, like 50% of y'all. And, and, and so most of y'all do that. 90% of people still check their phone while they're driving, by the way. And, and so, so, you know, a lot of y'all do that. But, but then you're decide I'll turn on the radio I'll turn on the radio and then I'll listen to some news stations you know it's fascinating because I'm pretty irrelevant as a pastor I, I'm thankful that you tolerate me you know I try to I grow beard to overcompensate you know but but I'm pretty irrelevant I only listen to worship music you know pretty much and I, I just listen to worship music I, I don't listen to you know latest Drake album or anything like that every once in a while I'm just like man I just gotta look up a line so I like google it Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about, Chase. Yeah, yeah, let's be friends. That's good. That's good. Yeah, that one was good. You know, interesting fact about that album is, and, and, and so I'm pretty irrelevant, but I decided, man, I need to be relevant, so I'm going to start listening to talk radio, you know, because everybody else is talk, talking about talk radio. And so, so I decided on my way to school to drop Benson off, I'm going to listen to NPR. I'm going to see what they say and see what's going on. I'm going to listen to it. It's going to be awesome. And, man, I was enjoying it. I was getting caught up in it. Man, all of a sudden, I was relevant again. I could talk about current affairs. I was excited. You know, it was pub talk, and, and it was really good. But I think it was either David or my wife praying that my radio would break, and, and the Lord answered their prayer, and now I don't even get talk radio. It's rough. Now, I'm saying all this because I want to put you in tension of, of culture and what you're relating to and how you're dealing with it and all the things that are flooding your mind and everything that's coming your way. And it's not just that because when you're tired of radio and you're tired of the news station and you're tired of social media, then it's just time for Netflix. It's time for a show, right? 
And so, you know, if you haven't seen Office, you know, at least three times, then you might as well watch it another, you know. And, and so start Office, start Scrubs, start, you know, whatever it may be, you know. Like JD is my man, so, you know, like we got to go there and, and, and listen to some stuff and watch some stuff. And then we zone out to that. And then we're left with this feeling of being overwhelmed. And we wonder why the pressure is a little elevated in your life. We wonder why we may be a little stressed out. We may wonder why we feel a little overwhelmed and, and it's coming out in all of our emotions throughout the day because now we're frustrated because that show left us hanging. We don't know what's happening until next week. So now you're just walking around mad and your husband's asking you, why are you stopping like that? Because the show didn't finish and it's going to go on for another 20,000 weeks. Or maybe you see a news cycle and it's really affected you and they keep showing it over and over again. And, and it's heartbreaking and it's real, just like we've had this week. And, and, and you pray and you know it's real, but, but you keep seeing it over and over. And it's just replaying over and over in your life. And, and then it brings this hostility in relationships. And this is what we see in Philippians chapter 4. We see a hostility between two women in a relationship. They're, they're these friends. And all of a sudden, they're at each other, and Paul is encouraging them to be pointed at each other. And Eodai and Sintich are, are there, and, and they're having this, this you know, dispute is happening, and, and, and Paul's encouraging them to resolve it. Right before he writes this, Philippians 4, what we just read, they have this dispute, and Paul's encouraging them to resolve it, and and there's disputes in our church. All of a sudden, we're mad. We're mad because you're wearing Nike. You know, we're mad because you're wearing, a, you know, a mag hat. Whatever. Yeah. MAGA. MAGA. Whatever. I don't know. I don't have one. So, <laughs> praise God. Um, you know, you're mad because, you're mad you know, you got the new, you, you know, um, LeBron shoes of equality. You got, you got something like this, and all of a sudden, like, that, that reinforces everything that you've been listening to and saying, that one channel that you've been fixating on. And now you're seeing somebody who may represent that in some way, and now you're at each other. And this is not just outside the church. This is inside the church where we're at each other. We're like, man, I'm sitting on this side of the room because that person's sitting on that side of the room. That's the person, you know, you know how he does. He watched the NFL, and I don't watch the NFL, you know? So we get here, and all of a sudden, there's this separation, and, and Paul's saying, like, man, you've really let culture affect you a whole bunch, or it's gotten away of the gospel and who you're supposed to be and what I've called you to. See, it's not just personal differences. It's cultural differences, that have begun to separate us. And this is what Paul's writing to, these cultural differences that are happening, the cultural pressures that are happening, where the persecution of the church is happening, and people are dying for their faith, and, and, and there's all these political things, and people are worshiping these other gods, and, and there's so many things in your face every day, and there's all these cultural pressures that are coming up against you, and now, and now there's this tension, and now you're fighting, and Paul's saying, quit fighting. Like, like let me point you back to who Jesus is, and when you are with different cultures and you have different cultures come together, it's hard. I mean, any of y'all had a roommate in here? Like a roommate? And all of a sudden you realize, like, like, the way you culturally did dishes is different than they culturally did dishes? Like, you do them and they don't? You know, like, 
what are you doing? Are you just buying utensils? Like, I mean, come on, man, the love of the planet. Like, why are you, why are you throwing away all that plastic? You know, whatever it is. And, and you're just working out these little differences. But, but God has an answer for these differences. God has answers for these differences. And his answer is, I'm going to bring you peace. I'm going to bring you peace in the midst of all these differences. And, and what were they to do? What were these two ladies to do? And what were the church to do? First thing they need to do is rejoice in the Lord. Everybody say rejoice. Woo, that was good. Rejoice in the Lord. We must rejoice in the Lord. Philippians 4, 4 through 5 says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Rejoice in the Lord always. Hey, man, you're wearing that hat. I'm wearing this shirt. Rejoice in the Lord always. Let us rejoice in the Lord. Hey, we may have some cultural differences. We may have some different likings, but, but let's rejoice in the Lord. Let's keep him center of everything because the Lord is at hand. The Lord is near. The Lord is coming. The Lord will be revealed. And this is beautiful because I never forget being alone as a child and my parents were leaving. And I said, hey, what time are you coming back? And they said, we don't know. We could come back anytime. And all of a sudden, that question mark changed the way that I lived in the next 10 minutes to three hours. You see, I was plotting my mischievous habits, you know. My parents are going out of town. I'm going to do something. I'm going to watch that movie I'm not supposed to watch. I'm going to listen to that music I'm not supposed to listen to. I'm going to do something I'm not supposed to do. And, and then I go, when are you coming back? I don't know. You know what? Maybe I'm not going to do that. Maybe I'm just going to, maybe I'm going to start rejoicing in the Lord. Maybe I'm going to start honoring my parents and loving them and thinking about positive things versus negative things and, and not thinking about what I can get away with, but thinking about what I'm able to do. And it just frees you up. No, knowing that the Lord is at hand frees you up, church, frees you up. That, that man, we get, to, we get to be in this positive aspect of what are we able to do? What can we do? Let's not let our differences divide us because the Lord is at hand. It's powerful. To pray. Do not be anxious about anything, verse 6 says, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That as we're constantly in this anxious moment and these anxiousness of our culture, we must quiet our soul and pray. We must quiet our soul and pray and spend time praying and start, start getting our, our requests to God, our supplications to God. And guess what? God wants to begin to answer some of your requests. He wants to begin to give you answers for the supplications. He wants to give you his heart as you vomit your heart. You realize that, and as you do, he begins, to, he begins to mold you and shape you, and you're able to influence and be an influencer in this culture because now you're seeing it differently. You're not seeing it through your mad eyes. You're seeing it through love eyes. You're seeing it through how God wants you to see it, and it's how, it's how you guard yourself. It's peace. See, as you pray, peace will fall upon you, and that peace will be a guardian around you. It will guard your heart and mind. It is what guards you from the schemes or the weapons of the enemy who attacks you in your mind. Because he loves to attack you in your mind because that's where the battle is. That's where he can put self-doubt, insecurity, and all sorts of fears that would reside. 
Next thing we need to do is we need to think. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What we think, Paul says, matters. What we think matters. It's, it's how we're looking and when we're looking at our Instagram and the headlines and the Facebook feed and the new whatever album you listen to, you know, um, uh, you know, maybe, you know, maybe you quit listening to, you know, hard rap and you're like getting, getting, you know, country, you know, like, you know, yeah, praise God there. No, no, Paul, Paul's saying what you think matters, but, but I want to I paint something for you because this is something that I, I really has changed my life. You see, I used to think I must stop listening to this music, stop cussing, you know, stop the pornography, stop the foul language, stop the gossip, stop the malice, stop all that. So I stopped doing this and I start throwing it out. And what happens is, is as you throw things out, then, then your capacity in your mind, there's a gap, Right? And so, like, now I threw these things out, and now there's a gap. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop doing this, and now I have, I have more time. And what do we do when we have more time? Well, we're the best. We fill it up. So instead of this, I'm going to do this. Hey, instead of Scrubs, I'm going to try this episode. You know, hey, I, I, man, I quit watching uh, Fox News, so now, now man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start watching, you know, Hulu more. I'm going to start watching Sports Center. I'm going to start doing something else. And, and Paul's not saying that. He, he's saying, don't stop. That stopping is not enough, but we must start. And what we must start doing is thinking about what is valuable. What is true? What is worthy? What, what is lovely? What is excellent? What is praiseworthy? We must start thinking about these things. And as you do, as you start thinking about these things, what happens is everything else starts leaving. Everything else starts floating away. And what happens is your mind starts looking more like Jesus. And you start thinking about who he is and what he's doing. And all of a sudden, you find yourself thinking as he would want you to think. And there's three places that you can think. You can think um, by, by being in God's word, by being in God's word, by, by, by reading your word, by coming to church and seeing, hearing what's preached. By God's creation is another way to start thinking through these things. By taking a hike and going outside and seeing what he's made and, and going on a ski trip. Good excuse for a ski trip. You have like one week left. Then by being around God's people. You see, when you're around God's people, then you start thinking about God things because you'll start talking about God things. And then God offers peace as you do. Peace is what he comes and he gives you. He gives you peace, not as the world gives peace. He gives you peace. You know, as I was preparing for this sermon, I, I, I kept writing peace down. And I was in pages, and, and you know, this is a, a, a little subtle um, advertisement for maybe Microsoft. So I was in pages, you know, and it does everything wrong, right? Pages is backwards. And I, was, I was sitting there, and I was writing, and every time, like, in the verse or whatever, there was peace written, and it had the red squigglies under it. 
And the red squigglies were around there. And I was like, why is, what's going on? And it was like misspelled. So every time I went to autocorrect it, it kept saying P-I-E-C-E. And I said, this is so strange because I know I'm spelling peace, right? So I go to Google like 20,000 times and I'm typing in peace. I'm going into Grammarly. I'm going into everything I can to, to possibly check to see if I'm spelling peace wrong. I mean, but, but, but I'm not. It's correct. And these red squigglies are right under peace. And, and, and what I learned is I, I, I right-clicked it. And instead of uh, uh, changing the word to P-I-E-C-E, there was another option. And it says, learn spelling. That, that the pages didn't recognize peace with this red squiggly. And I, I click, right-clicked it and I put learn spelling. And all of a sudden, pages now understands how to spell peace. You know, I think about this as I was preparing for this sermon. I was thinking about our church and the, the, the people and our family that would come today. And I was thinking about peace. And we all know peace so well. We all um, get peace. We all uh, know how to spell it. But for whatever reason, sometimes we just don't recognize it. For whatever reason, maybe there's a red squiggly under the peace that we have. And we're wondering, man, why, why don't I just recognize it? Why is it not in my life? I think I know how to spell it. I think I know all this stuff, but there's these red squigglies, and, and I'm just wondering, I'm just wondering how to get this peace that surpasses all understanding. And I'm just going to tell you that if you're going to get peace, we have to learn it. We have to learn it, and we have to ask God, hey, can you learn the spelling of peace in my life? Can you start touching that place in my heart that I would understand peace? Because it may have been unrecognizable for me in a season, but now I'm praying, God, that you would make it recognizable. We have to decide. And here's the great thing is Jesus wants to give you peace. In John 14, 27, Jesus talks about this. You see, it was said that Jesus is the prince of peace. That means in the ruler of the air, he is over all. He's in charge and he's giving peace to the world. He's giving you this guard around your mind and around your heart. He's the one who gives peace. And as a prince of peace, he says this in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. There's two worlds that you're going to live in. Two worlds. You're going to live in the one of fear that's dictated by everything that you're consuming that's not of him. Or you're going to live in the world of love. There's only two possible places to live. And the one that he wants you to live in is the one of love. And the one of love has peace. He wants you to learn peace this morning. He's asking you to learn peace. As a project for you to take home today is maybe ask a friend or a spouse, is there something in my life that I'm consuming too much of? Is there something in my life that I've just been consuming too much of, X, Y, and Z? And then a follow-up question, how have you seen my behavior change as a result of that? Now, now your, your, your partner or your friend may get a little defensive at first, right? Like they may be, oh, well, you know, I see this, this, and this. Don't make a list. Maybe just one, you know? Maybe just one thing, and, and when your partner says, you know, it kind of affects you in this area, don't be defensive, but why don't you pray? 
and let the peace of God guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Would you stand with me this morning as I pray for you? Father, I thank you for your church. God, the people of God here, and I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would bring peace, not as the world gives it. God, I pray that we learn peace. I pray if there's a red squiggly under peace and it's just foreign to us, it's a foreign concept. I pray, Jesus, that we learn it. And God, as easy as it was for me to right-click and hit one button, that's as easy as it is to access the Father who gives peace. It's just to ask. It's just a question. It's just a prayer. It's just saying, Jesus, give me peace. Lord, I just pray that we'd be a church not influenced negatively, negatively because of culture. But we would be a church who lives in love and offers the opportunity for others to be a part of this story. We love you in Jesus' name.